I don't really care about the media attention. You know, I just want to play. I mean, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, all right. I know it's going to come with the territory, but at the end of the day, you know, I focus on the end goal, and, you know, that's about winning the championship. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Anthony Davis, now the L.A. Lakers. He was introduced to the media on Saturday. There was a lot he did not say, and I think he was wise to not guarantee anything or be too bold with the statements. But he did say, and this is a basketball question of the day to go with those we have for baseball fans and football fans, the latter sport is basically here. Wednesday, one of the new guys, and there are eight of them in the National Football League this year as head coaches, Cliff Kingsbury went from possibly on the cusp of losing his job at Texas Tech to being the head coach of one of the 32 teams in the NFL. He's with the Arizona Cardinals. They are one of the four teams that begins training camp this Wednesday. The question of the day there is what have we learned from previous examples of college football coaches taking over as NFL head coaches? Why doesn't it happen very much these days? I mentioned it's easier to sustain greatness in college if you're Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. And the money has changed so much that whereas Butch Davis quadrupled his income by jumping from the old Miami Hurricanes to the Cleveland Browns of the NFL, that's only almost two decades ago, right? It's not like it was light years ago or when I was a little kid or something. It's almost That's less than 20 years ago Butch Davis made that jump. He quadrupled his income. There is no such example. I mean, unless you're a lowly paid college head coach, the bigger guys with the best job are already making NFL-like money. So why, when you think of the bigger picture, or with Cliff Kingsbury now in Arizona, why have there been so many more failures? It's not like Lou Holtz wasn't a smart football coach, but he had lots of success at the college level, NC State, Notre Dame, and otherwise, and yet fell on his face at the NFL level. That's the story for Steve Spurrier, one of the greats of modern college football history. Didn't work at all. Now, I blame it more on Daniel Snyder in Washington than on Steve Spurrier, but didn't work at all is the bottom line. Nick Saban didn't fall on his face with the Miami Dolphins, but he was a middling coach in his brief time there. He is arguably the greatest of all time in college football, certainly one of the greatest. Remember, that's a guy that even brought a national title to LSU for those who don't want to give him quite as much credit for taking a long-standing super heavyweight of college football, thanks to Bear Bryant and others, and just winning, what, the national title roughly half the time over this last decade? Nick Saban always has the tide in the mix and often has them at the top of the mountain. Only Bill Belichick does such things in the NFL context in more recent years. What have we learned from the fact that there are so many failures than success stories Pete Carroll in Seattle after his time at Southern Cal would be another success story, but I can give you five failures for every success story at least. You can jump in on that at 1-800-849-2761. Quickly on the ACC Network article, as those questions are pouring in, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can find it online now. The Athletic Carolina, also some of their national and international pages, they featured it uh, for much of the day today. If you're an ACC Sports Journal or accsports.com subscriber, you get a, a different approach to the deep dive article about what's going on here. But just to answer some of the questions that have already rolled in, as we look forward to Rex Hoggard live from the British Open and more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls, lines are open now at 1-800-849-2761. Basketball fans' question relates to Anthony Davis. Was A.D. right when he said right now with the Lakers' revised roster, he and LeBron and Danny Green 
and Rajon Rondo and the rest of that crew. Remember, DeMarcus Cousins is there now, and JaVale McGee is still there. And LeBron's going to be like a point forward type guy again. But former Duke star Quinn Cook is there now. Uh, former Carolina star Danny Green is there now. There are other pieces that will take the Lakers from non-playoff team and burning a year of LeBron James, maybe past his prime, but still an all-NBA caliber LeBron James, to I think we'd all agree that's a playoff team now, as it looks this time. Was Anthony Davis right when he said with this revised Lakers roster, they would beat any other NBA team in a seven-game series? The Warriors fans, the Rockets fans, the Clippers fans, the Jazz fans, the Blazers fans, the Nuggets fans – Object, and those are just in the Western Conference. You could be next at 1-800-849-2761. To round it out, we do have a baseball question of the day. Since we're almost 100 games into the regular season now, and the Dodgers took two of three from the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and the Cubs swept the Pirates and lead the NL Central, and the Yankees and the Astros and the Twins are all leading the, the American League, 100 games in almost – Who's the best team in Major League Baseball and why? 1-800-849-2761. Those are among your options, along with your best and worst of the weekend votes. From the golf world, Retief Goosen, he won a seniors event. Tony Romo won a celebrity golf event again. So he won a championship. You just have to put an asterisk on that and elaborate that it was in a different sport than the one Cowboys fans wanted to see. Dylan Fratelli was another first-time winner on the PGA, PGA Tour. He's from South Africa. He won the John Deere Classic. Kurt Busch from the NASCAR circuit. And, of course, Novak Djokovic in victory. Roger Federer and Serena Williams in defeat. All got best of the weekend love just from the tennis world. 1-800-849-2761. Imagine running any business and finding that your key competitors that for decades were essentially shoulder to shoulder with you in terms of annual revenue and annual expenses. I've been covering this stuff since the late 1980s. And without getting into the gory details, and some of them are in the article I posted at The Athletic Carolina this morning and in the pages of the ACC Sports Journal's upcoming kickoff edition, a lot of these details are in there, but just to give you a blunt instrument version of them instead of the scalpel-like details, here's one way to look at it. For the decades, three decades plus that I've been covering this stuff, for the majority of that time, the league that calls the state of North Carolina home, the ACC, four of the original members here, of course, in Duke, Carolina State, and Wake Forest. It is the cultural center of the ACC universe. It is, of course, a huge figure and presence on the state of North Carolina's sports scene. I've lived in parts of the country where it's almost all about pro sports. I've lived in, or I've visited part of the country, parts of the country that are almost all about college sports. I think many of us are aware of these extremes, right? If you're in Alabama or Mississippi, they do talk some pro sports, but it's overwhelmingly about the SEC and other college sports. If you're here, I believe we have one of the best blends in the entire nation. We have the NFL with the Panthers. We kind of have the NBA with the Hornets. I, sorry, that's the reality right now. We're so irrelevant that we technically qualify as an NBA franchise, but that's about all you can say. So we have the Canes relative, relevant again in the NHL. Maybe someday we'll have an MLS team, David Tepper. Has, has put some force behind Charlotte's bid for an expansion franchise in the MLS. And I know some of you are passionate about bringing baseball here someday, Major League Baseball. We already have a variety of great 
uh, minor league franchises, of course, we're not on the front burner of Major League Baseball expansion. So will we get it before I die? I hope so because I'm a baseball guy. Are we going to get an MLB franchise before I retire? I think not because I'm still working and I can smell the adult beverages and the sand at the beach and hear the waves right now even though I'm at least 90 minutes away from the Atlantic Ocean. That's how close to retirement I am. I don't know when that's coming, but spiritually, I'm that close to retirement. We're not getting a Major League Baseball team before I retire. I can tell you that. What year is that? I have no idea. But the ACC has been fundamental to this state's culture for more than 60 years at this point. For the 32 years I've covered the ACC, that league was usually, I mean, a big majority of the time, when you, y'all know how the basics of college sports work. Sometimes you collect money that you don't share with anybody else, right? Your season tickets, you're not sharing with your competitors. Your share of parking and concessions, you don't have to send to the ACC headquarters in Greensboro, right? But there's this big pot of money, and it's way bigger today than it's ever been where conferences have shared revenue. The huge majority of the shared revenue derives from TV. Now, that means many things, but the biggest categories would be the TV deals that you strike, right, with Fox, ABC, ESPN, and all the other carriers of sports programming out there. That money doesn't come school to school, except in rare examples, you get supplementary money school to school, but the huge dollars funnel through the ACC office. And the biggest branches of that tree, you get tens of millions of dollars per year just for your share of the NCAA's TV deal with Turner and CBS. So that's a big funnel of money, but those other leagues are getting somewhat similar. ACC, the king of college basketball most years. It is more money there than their competitors, and that's one of the reasons that they were number one most of the years I covered this stuff in the 80s, 90s, and even to early 2000s. What has changed is that whereas the ACC has gone from having, I would say, relatively small advantages, you know, the check that you got at Duke or State or Carolina at Wake, or wake in a given year from ACC headquarters. I mean, way back when these numbers were tiny. I mean, like ten million dollars, fifteen million dollars. All right. Nowadays, just listen to this. If you're the ACC, you've been you've gone from being number one most of the time by a small amount to in some years number five in a world that's described as the Power Five. Every year. Big Ten members have been getting much larger checks from their office than ACC members have been getting lately from their headquarters in Greensboro. SEC members are getting much larger checks. There are more than one reason. There is. There are a variety of reasons why this is the case. One of the biggest reasons has become the Big Ten network has been a success story for the Big Ten. The SEC network has been a success story for the SEC. And the other three leagues have fallen behind for different reasons. The Big 12 doesn't have a Big 12 network. So their, month, their number in how much revenue are you getting from your conference channel right now is zero. Until August 22nd of this year and moving forward, the ACC's number is zero. And whereas the Pac-12 launched its network seven years ago, it's been such a disappointment 
that it's not a lot of money. Like, Pac-12 ADs will say, man, they promised us $10 million a year, and we're barely getting $2 million in some years, okay? So it helps. I mean, I'd rather have the $2 million than not. But you're talking about schools that have athletic department budgets. Put aside the university as a whole. The athletic department budget, even in a Power 5 league, could be 60 70 $80 million. And $2 million helps, but 10 to $15 million helps a lot more. And the Big Ten and the SEC are essentially printing money in their backyards because of the success of both their conference channels. Again, the Big Ten launched 12 years ago. took a while to be profitable, but it's incredibly profitable now. SEC launched five years ago this August. Immediately a success story thanks to great distribution. Why? They're partners with ABC slash ESPN slash Disney, all branches of the same Walt Disney Company tree. And when you have that distribution power behind you, rather than taking a long time to get distribution, which is what happened for the Big Ten's channel, rather than being seven years into your channel and you still have lousy distribution, that's the case with the Pac-12. They're not partners with ABC slash Disney slash ESPN. The ACC is an existing partner of ESPN. They saw the success of the SEC network, and they said, we want our own channel too. Well, the ESPN Disney folks were like, well, we don't really want to launch the ACC network at the same exact time as the SEC network. Negotiations are hard enough as it is. The SEC got a five-year head start on the ACC. So you go from decades. I mean, John Swafford's been in the ACC since the 80s. He was the North Carolina. He was a North. He's actually been in the ACC since the 70s, maybe even the late 60s. John Swafford went from a North Carolina football player to an administrator in various places, to the UNC athletic director, and then he got the call from the ACC to be their commissioner, and now he's decades, plural, into holding that chair. Well, he has seen how the ACC has gone from number one in conference payout per school for decades to, in some years, number five. That's not good. Again, put yourself in the position of your business world. Let's say you were number one in this shared revenue year after year after year. It wasn't an almighty advantage because, again, the dollars were smaller. Not, not only had, did these conference channels not exist. At the turn of the century, there was no such thing as a conference channel. There was no Big Ten network 20 years ago. There was no SEC network. This is all a 21st century phenomenon. So you've gone from leading the way most years to finishing third, fourth, or fifth most years, and way behind the Big Ten and the SEC. The most recent tax year, and man, it's really, really fun to file open records requests and Freedom of Information Act requests. Not, not at all fun. But you got to find tax returns. You got to get access to this stuff. Fortunately, my journalism degree pays off in some of these areas. So I got everybody's tax returns. And do you know what these schools' checks are worth now again if you're a fan of michigan or michigan state or ohio state in the big 10 the the dollar amount i'm about to give you is unique to big 10 headquarters it's different than whatever else you're making with the wolverines or the buckeyes or whomever okay this is just comparing what money is funneling through the conference meaning shared revenue bowl revenue is shared revenue ncaa basketball tournament revenue is shared revenue and biggest category, TV revenue is shared revenue. If you're a Big Ten member, your most recent publicly available share 
in a single year was $54 million. There were a couple schools that are new to the Big Ten. They didn't get that much. But if you got a full share, you got something in the neighborhood of $54 million. If you were an ACC member in the same tax year, you got something roughly at $29 million. All right, quick math. A Big Ten member got $54 million. Your ACC school from its conference headquarters got about $29 million. That is a $25 million difference. That is not speculation. That is not based on TV numbers that people argue about. This is the tax return. This is we sent out checks for $54 million from Big Ten headquarters. We sent out checks for about $44 million from SEC headquarters. And we sent out checks of about $29 million. That was the number in the Pac-12 and the ACC. The Big 12, which, remember, has only 10 members. That is a numerical anomaly. A Big 12, name of the conference, 10 members. That's just been lingering for a while. They were somewhere in between. There has never until right now been a $25 million a year difference among the Power Five conferences. Again, when I covered it in the, in the late 80s, throughout the 90s, and early 2000s, there would be multi-million dollar differences. But think about it. I mean, if, if your check was $20 million many years ago, and it, you're Clemson, and you hate South Carolina. If for a while your check was $22 million from the ACC and their check was $20 million from the SEC, it's not like you had a sledgehammer of an upper hand over the South Carolina Gamecocks because you were a member of the ACC and they were a member of the SEC. Again, the ACC used to be number one in this routinely. The dollars have grown. These conference channels have come along. The SEC and the Big Ten are at this point, after some bumps in the road, just making tons of money with their more general TV deals, but tons of money specifically with their new channels, or not so new in the case of the Big Ten. $54 million compared to $29 million, folks. In a given year, that is a $25 million difference. Over four years, that's a $100 million difference. Over 10 years, that's a $250 million difference. And remember, the Tigers are still trying to beat the Gamecocks. Now, for now, they are, right? Clemson is one of the best football programs in the country, but it's not the only example. Georgia Tech would like to be more competitive with Georgia. And when that conference envelope arrives, Georgia Tech's collecting $29 million and Georgia is collecting $44 million. That's a $15 million difference. If your rival is a Big Ten team, like Maryland and Virginia still hate each other, right? Virginia's getting a $29 million check. And after Maryland goes through kind of some indigestion where they don't get a full share until a certain point because they took loans and they're not, you know, they're, they're an expansion member, et cetera. When they get to full share status, Maryland's check will be $54 million. Virginia's will be $29. Now, we, there are talented athletic directors in this league. There obviously are talented head coaches in all of these sports. Dabo Sweeney of Clemson being among the, the biggest of those. Mike Krzyzewski at Duke and Roy Williams of Carolina have not been overwhelmed because their conference has fallen behind in this money competition. But over the longer haul, A, Coach K and Roy Williams aren't going to coach forever. 
and whoever their successors might be would rather inherit a situation where some of their competitors aren't $25 million a year in front of them. If you're the AD and you run a $100 million athletic department, maybe you have a successful coach. Well, guess what? He wants a raise. And you have $25 million more as a Big Ten AD because of this channel and other TV deals than your ACC counterpart has, at least in this category. What are you getting from your conference headquarters in annual checks? Big Ten right now, $54 million a year. SEC right now, $44 million a year. ACC and Pac-12 around $29 million a year. What if your coach is bad and you got to fire him? Well, what does the new person want? A lot of money, and they want to know that they're playing on something that as close as possible resembles a level playing field. And then you have to tell them, oh, new Georgia Tech coach. Yeah, you know, Georgia A has it rolling already under Kirby Smart in football. Uh, B has traditionally dominated the Yellow Jackets in football. Oh, and C, yeah, for now at least, uh, the Bulldogs have $15 million a year in conference shared revenue that we don't have in the ACC. Our check is 29 Their check is $44 million. Does that make the Georgia Tech job more compelling and interesting and intriguing or less compelling and interesting and intriguing? Does that allow you to attract better candidates for your next vacancy in football, basketball, or anything else, or lesser candidates? It's crystal clear. It's harder to keep your great coaches, and it's harder to attract the next round of great coaches when the Big Ten had $750 million plus in shared conference revenue this, past, or this most recent uh, fiscal year, and the ACC's number was $465 million. Those are no longer shades of gray. When the ACC was number one in the money category, it was closer to shades of gray. Your extra $2 million a year, maybe you upgrade their state, your stadium and, and that competitor of yours has to wait another year, two, three, four, or five. Maybe you get to pay your Hall of Fame coach and give him a raise rather than wondering whether somebody's going to lure him away. $2 million a year in difference matters a little bit. $25 million a year in difference matters a lot. It does not prevent you from winning. Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. Kay and Duke, Roy and Carolina, other examples all over the Olympic sports. Of course, it doesn't prevent it, but if your restaurant went from having the best revenues on the street, on Main Street, for most of 25 years, and when you weren't first, you were barely second. Again, that's the ACC picture. Now those other restaurants are not only making more than you every year, they're making hundreds of millions more every year. And by the time it trickles back to the conference members, that Big Ten school is grabbing $25 million more per year in this category than you are. That's not going to help your restaurant. You still might have loyal customers. You still might have the greatest chef in the world. Harder to keep that chef. Harder to upgrade your facilities. Harder to keep it all shiny and nice. Harder to pay your staff well. Harder to have the same budgets for food and everything else that that blossoming restaurant across the street has that's the picture now folks and even great coaches with great players cannot sustain a 25 million a year golf forever it eventually catches up with you the ACC network launching on August 22nd will not eliminate that huge gap but ACC ADs have been given a number what do you expect in new revenue in year one what could you expect in new revenue five or ten years from now? That number's a big number. 
I'll give you more about it as we come back to your calls on the other side. Rex Hoggard in 60 minutes or so, live from the British Open. The Open Championship, as it's called on the other side of the pond, is being described as the biggest sporting event in the history of Northern Ireland. Rex Hoggard of the Golf Channel drops by in 60-plus minutes to talk some golf. Your best and worst of the weekend phone calls are welcome on the other side. A classic sports movie challenge awaits us in about 35 minutes. You can be next with your vote, best or worst of the weekend, and why. Novak Djokovic, Retief Goosen, Tony Romo, Kurt Busch, Major League Baseball, the Dodgers, the Cubs, Chris Clemens, Anthony Davis and the Lakers, the return of the NFL. The return, sort of, of college football. Those are some of the best of the weekend. Did you know why Mike Krzyzewski nominated an NBA team for worst of the weekend? Not officially, I'm just interpreting his dismay toward an NBA franchise. I interpreted as Coach K voting for them worst of the weekend, just to be clear. I'll elaborate on that story, pass along some sad news from the sports headlines, and take more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show, 1-800-849-2761. I did promise a few things. We do have some phone callers. You can join us from anywhere across North Carolina or around the world at 1-800-849-2761. Rex Hoggard live from the British Open in 60 minutes. Competitive play there begins Thursday. We're headed to Charlotte for the ACC kickoff event. Our live shows will be from the Queen City on Wednesday and Thursday. Clemson's Dabo Sweeney. Of course, David Cutcliffe of Duke, Mac Brown of Carolina, Dave Doran of NC State, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, and a lot of the other guys we've gotten to know well on these airwaves over the years. All of the in-state ACC coaches will be with us in Charlotte. Dabo and Clemson always drops by. Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, Bronco Mendenhall of UVA. If you're kind of late to the college football game this summer, I know some of you buy our magazine or Phil Steele's or somebody else's for summer reading or beach reading or otherwise, UVA and Virginia Tech are relevant this year as the Coastal Division is wide open and as everybody's asking who from the ACC besides Clemson is going to matter in the national picture. Now, Dabo and the Tigers are going to be fine. They've lost great talent to the NFL, but, man, is that pipeline a, an amazing one in Clemson, South Carolina. Dabo and the Tigers are still setting the pace. Last year, do you know how many other ACC football teams? I don't know if this is the ultimate measure of national relevance, but I don't think it's that high a bar to set to ask you to finish in the top 25 of the final polls if you want to be described as being nationally relevant, and I mean on the big picture. You can win your conference. If it's a smaller conference, yes, you matter to us, especially if you're here in North Carolina. But are you a national story if you're outside the national top 25? Uh, probably not. Clemson, of course, won another national championship. They're now at four straight ACC football titles under Dabo Sweeney. They're the heavy favorite to make it five in a row. 
other than Clemson last year. Do y'all even remember who else was nationally relevant? The Syracuse Orange went 10-3 and and finished number 15 in the national rankings. Nobody else from the ACC in football. I mean, in basketball, there are years where it's like five, six, seven, eight, nine teams from the ACC in the final nas- national top 25. Sometimes, you know, that many NCAA tournament bids are more on the basketball side. In football, there have been years lately with great depth. It just last year was not one of those years. It was mostly Clemson. Dino Babers and Syracuse do a lot, give, deserve a lot of credit for a 10-win season. Those don't happen all that often unless you're at one of the super heavyweight programs. Will it be UVA? Will it be Virginia Tech? Will it be Miami under Manny Diaz, their first-year coach? Will it be Florida State bouncing back after a bad debut last year under Willie Taggart? Could it be someone from our neighborhood? I mean, David Cutcliffe has taken Duke to an ACC title game. UNC under Larry Fedora went there, and now Mac Brown is back, right? It wasn't forever ago that the Tar Heels played in the ACC title game as the representative of the Coastal Division. Dave Dorn at NC State has had good years, not yet the 10-win barrier, but really good years with good recruiting and sending players to the NFL with the Wolfpack. Dave Clawson has that combination of experience and a couple quarterbacks that he likes and maybe a manageable schedule who knows I hope more than Clemson is nationally relevant this year but that's one of the questions we'll be asking as we head to Charlotte for that ACC kickoff event on Wednesday and Thursday Jim is in Wilmington and has a question about my ACC network article again catch it in the pages of the ACC sports journal kickoff edition coming soon to you if you're a subscriber Uh, online accsports.com it was posted this morning a shorter version at the athletic carolina and on their national and international pages as well theathletic.com jim in wilmington welcome to the david glenn show go right ahead hey dg how are you i'm doing great man what's on your mind uh, first uh, first thing first, pulling over the Rifle Beach Bridge, and it's a beautiful day, and the weather's nice also. You're killing me, um, Smalls. You're killing me. <laughs> I know. I love that place, and I love that view. I can picture it in my head right now. I've been there so many times. I'm jealous. What else do you have? <laughs> I was just, just going to talk about, you were talking about the disparity in the money, and I don't think people realize also the amount of money that they have to use on their assistant coaches and their position coaches compared to, you know, the bigger schools, because there's, there's guys at Alabama and stuff that are making as much money as some head coaches are making. Right. And um, they're they're very important in college football. If you think, like, Matt Brown is, like, talking to his players individually all the time, that doesn't happen, you know, in college football. Right. So you need a staff. And by, and, and by the way, do you know what Brent Venables – the defensive coordinator at Clemson. And for anyone wondering, is DG, I don't know, he's getting old, he's exaggerating, he's hyping up his articles online, he's delusional, he was drinking too much this weekend. Anybody wondering my perspective on all this, Dan Radakovich is the Clemson athletic director. He's quoted in my article saying, listen, the ACC network must be a success story if we want to keep pace with the schools that we want to beat. There it is, right out of the mouth of a guy, and I respected the candor. Because, you know, it's not popular for ACC people to say, yeah, this is getting kind of scary, the Big Ten and the SEC 
just kind of starting to dwarf us financially because it does lead to recruiting budgets and assistant coaching budgets and facility upgrades have to wait longer unless you're one of these wealthier schools in one of these wealthier conferences. Brent Venables is a defensive coordinator at Clemson for Dabo Sweeney under a revised contract, and this is, of course, only done in part because the ACC network, I promised a number, four to five million dollars in year one of new money is projected to be coming to every ACC school. Now, does that close the gap? Of course not. SEC schools are getting checks for $15 million more than the ACC right now. Big Ten schools are getting annual checks for $25 million more than the $29 million rough check that goes to the ACC schools on average. Well, Brent Venables, Clemson's AD, Dan Radakovich, ain't sleeping at night unless he sees new revenue streams. If he's praying, Brent Venables, I think the number is $2.3 million a year. That's an assistant coach. Now, I am. y'all know the Jimbo Fisher story, right? It would be an oversimplification. Let me make this very clear. It would be oversimplifying things to say that Texas A&M stole Jimbo Fisher, a national championship caliber coach, from Florida State only because of money. That It is definitely more complicated than that. But do you know who one of the wealthiest athletic departments in college athletics is? Texas A&M. Do you know what their annual budget is? $200 million or something in that neighborhood. Florida State's is like a little bit more than half of that. In any industry, that starts to matter. Florida State is actually among the more cash-strapped universities, relatively speaking, in major college football right now. The Miami Hurricanes, five-time national champions. Some wonder why they've lost their way over these last two decades. Well, again, relatively speaking, they're cash-strapped as an athletic department. Now, is that why the Seminoles were bad under Willie Taggart last year? No. Is that why it's been 18 years since the Hurricanes won a national title? Again, it's more complicated than that, but it doesn't help. It does because Texas A&M is just backing up the Brinks truck and they got 200 million in annual revenue. Florida State again might have a little more than half that in a given year. So Jimbo left FSU for Texas A&M entirely and exactly because of the money. Well, no, FSU is paying him well. A&M is paying him more. $75 million guaranteed over 10 years. It is the largest guarantee in the history of college athletics. So you can't say it wasn't about money at all. If Florida State offered him the $75 million guaranteed over 10 years and the largest contract ever, I'd think he'd stay. He stayed with the Seminoles when other offers came his way. He stayed with the Seminoles a whole bunch of times when others offered him raises, right? Well, why was this one different? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is money. And you can't have your best assistants being stolen away by wealthier programs and other conferences. If this gap does not narrow, the Big Ten and the SEC will have all of those financial advantages, not just temporarily, which is what the story has been in recent years, but it can't be a $25 million a year gap. It can't be $15 million from the ACC to the SEC. And again, that's per school. The check the school gets is... That much less for the ACC right now, $29 million. SEC per school, $44 million. Big Ten per school, $54 million. Again, in part because of the successful launches of their channels. How do you retain your head coaches? I mean, Dabo would probably only leave for Alabama someday because that's his alma mater. 
He's incredibly well-paid at Clemson. So is Brent Venables and other members of his staff. But you can't have – where does the ACC get their successful coaches? They lure them away from schools that can't afford to pay what the ACC is willing to pay. I mean, it's, it really does boil down to that. And then once you find the uber-successful coach, he, you either need to trust that he has a level of loyalty, usually built over a long time. I mean, Jim Beheim freaking played for Syracuse a thousand years ago. And he's gone from playing there to assistant coach there to head coach there. And that's literally like a half century plus of Syracuse basketball. He ain't leaving, right? Now, you want to treat him fairly, but at this point, K ain't leaving Duke. But when the Lakers and Celtics came calling, guess what? He got raises to stay at Duke. There's no money tree in the backyard. So your TV deals have to be good. Your football product has to be good to maximize those TV deals. And the passion in your fan base has to be high enough that when these negotiations continue, again, half of all American TV households are represented by two cable companies and one satellite company. Charter Spectrum, Comcast Xfinity, and the Dish Network do not yet have deals to carry the ACC network as it's going to launch on August 22nd. Well, if you're the ACC, that's a little nerve-wracking, right? I mean, Dan Radakovich said it well. We better close this gap if we want to keep up with the teams we're trying to beat on the field. It's not all money, but it matters. Keeping your best coaches, attracting other great coaches. The ACC for decades has been stealing great coaches from less wealthy schools and leagues. You don't want to be permanently the, the third, fourth, or fifth team in the pecking order. For the foreseeable future, the ACC, even with the successful launch of the ACC network, is only going to be third. Were they asleep at the switch? You know, was John Swafford too cautious as the ACC commissioner, as Jim Delaney pulled the trigger on a Big Ten network 12 years ago, and as Mike Slive, the former SEC commissioner, pulled the trigger on the SEC network five years ago? Well, being last doesn't help, but as Whit Whit Babcock, the Virginia Tech AD, said in my article, again at The Athletic Carolina and coming to the ACC Sports Journal as well, Whit Babcock answered that timing question about as well as it can be answered. The Hokies AD said, I would rather be the last one in the door at a great party than the one who shows up early to the wrong party. Now, Whit Babcock is not saying on the record. DG, that's a veiled reference to the Pac-12 falling all over itself and mismanaging distribution and being stuck on 19 million subscribers seven years after they launched the Pac-12 network. That is... To steal the planes, trains, and automobile line, you're going the wrong way. The Pac-12 network has been a train wreck, a disaster distribution-wise. Well, the SEC network and the Big Ten network have three times or more TV households. The ACC wants to get into as many of the estimated 94 million pay TV households in the United States as it can. 90, 120 million have TV, but so many people have cut the cord, many, tens of millions don't have pay TV anymore. Now, Darren Vaught, you'd be a pay TV household, right? Uh, I believe so. I'm uh, a Sling TV subscriber, you're a so pay, I think that You're counts. a pay TV household. Sling TV doesn't have a deal with the ACC network yet. You're going to have to change providers, man. You can't not have the ACC network. It's true. You can't. I won't name my carrier, but let's just say mine is one of the – if they were an advertiser on the show, I would mention them. (laughs) But let's just say that my large carrier does not yet have a deal with the ACC network at all. 
I, I called him and I said, listen, this is not posturing. You know, this is not just another, you know, unhappy customer. Like, for, per- for professional reasons, I have to leave you if you're not carrying the ACC network. And am I really going to wait until August 22nd? I don't – no, I don't want to be t- – I'm sorry you waited this long. We're still not carrying it. No, I can't have that down-to-the-wire stuff. I got to know if I'm going to be able to see these games or not. If you're a c- customer of Xfinity, Spectrum, Dish Network, Cox slash Contour, AT&T, U-verse, Sling TV, DirecTV Now, YouTube TV, none of them – they're all pretty large companies, some of them very, very large. None of them have a deal yet. Now, a whole bunch of others do. DirecTV proper – the satellite company, uh, Verizon Fios, uh, Optimum, Sudden Link, uh, Hulu with live TV has a deal. Goober, Google Fiber, which I know is in the triangle area for many, also has a deal. PlayStation View, uh, T-Vision so, uh, is a T-Mobile product. They have a deal. So, I mean, there, there are almost 100 that have agreed to carry this network. There's a handful that have not, but the handful includes three carriers that control 47 million TV households, which makes up half of all TV households in the United States. Uh, that number has to change if the ACC Network's launch on August 22nd is going to be a true success story. We're back after this on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you and really? Also, it was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A couple things I promised, and then we'll go to Rex Hoggard in hour number three. More of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. Mike Krzyzewski, my interpretation of Coach K's words, that he was trying to participate in today's edition of the David Glenn Show. And he nominated the New Orleans Pelicans for his worst of the weekend. Again, this is my interpretation. But Coach K did actually say this. Zion Williamson should not have played in the summer league. Now, a lot of Duke fans got mad at Seth Greenberg for saying that Zion was out of shape and needs to be in better shape to be his best self and to reach his potential and all that stuff. If you're mad at Seth Greenberg for saying that on our show, you must be mad at your king today because he said the same thing. So stop being so overprotective and paranoid. It was clear to Coach Greenberg. It is clear to Coach K. And it's clear to those who are not members of that cult. Come on. Independent thinking is still valued. Of course, Zion Williamson, given his body type, given his weight, given his time away to go to the ESPYs and all sorts of other promotional type stuff, he's not in basketball shape. Of course, after he tweaked his knee and his back, the Pelicans pulled the plug. Coach K is absolutely right when he calls out the New Orleans Pelicans, who, of course, drafted Zion number one overall. They never should have gone down that road at all. They later protected their investment. They should have been protecting him all along. So I'm putting down Coach K, one vote, New Orleans Pelicans, worst of the weekend. Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker has died, a legend of the 1980s and 1990s in the boxing world. He is a Hall of Famer. I enjoyed watching him box. Condolences to his family and friends. He died after being hit by a car this weekend in the Virginia Beach area. Rex Hoggard on the British Open. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. 
Mike Lupica. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.